All right, MMA reaction. Um, let's get started. First topic, Dana responds to Yair Rodriguez or the Yair Rodriguez, whatever you want to call it, saga, soap opera, whatever. But it's interesting because his quote is, when I offer you a fight, you should probably take it. Um, man, that seems like a dick move. When I call you, and this is what the quote says, it says, when I call you and offer you a fight, you should probably take it. You should probably take it. I make 42 fights a year, and if you don't want to fight, and if you want to be picky and choosy, and you don't want to do this, and you don't want to do that, then you probably need to go somewhere else, and I'll help you get there. What he's really saying is that he doesn't believe Yair has the um, buying power, so buying power, so to speak, to uh, question terms or change terms or adjust his contract. Um, but underlying, underlining amongst all this is basically using Yair as an example to the rest of the fighters on the roster, meaning that, hey man, if you don't like what we have to offer you, take a hike, I don't need you. Go somewhere else, have a good career somewhere else, but you're not gonna be in the UFC because you're not doing what I tell you to do. Um, dick move, man. You know, I had, it's, a real, it's a real move for a dictator. You're basically instructing your fighters to not, if you refuse a fight, don't wanna take a fight, or you wanna adjust terms on your contract for particular fights, um, take a hike, go fuck yourself. Um, I don't think that's a good look, man. And even if that was the case, even if, if that's the stance that Dana wants to take, then I, I think that in terms of the professional media, sports media, um, different avenues you'd be taking, more professional approach needs to be, needs to be taken. You shouldn't necessarily, um, you, there's, a, there's better ways to, to, to explain yourself than just take the fights that I give you or I'll kick you out or I'll terminate your contract or I'll have you go somewhere else. Um, I don't think it's a good look. Not that it matters and nobody gives a fuck because the UFC is a machine and it's not going anywhere. And uh, it is what it is. I mean, nothing anybody says that's really gonna impact it, but I still think it's fucked up. And uh, I don't think it's a good look, and I hope Yair goes somewhere else, big promotion, smashes a bunch of fools, and then the UFC is forced to take him back based on his own popularity and his ability to whoop ass. So uh, that's my thoughts on that. Uh, Till versus Thompson. Uh, Till ended up winning by unanimous, unanimous decision. Um, this was an interesting fight because a lot of people didn't like it. It was not an action-filled fight. There was probably three Maybe maybe not even three, but there's probably three significant strikes that actually mattered amongst the two of them. But what people don't understand is that this was a chess match. The, the end result was kind of boring in the sense where there was no real action going on. Um, but but what, what people fail to realize is that in the, the intricacies of the fight, so the rounds as they go on and they go on and nothing's happening, the anticipation that pure violence could happen at any moment that's what we that's what we strive for that's what we like that's what we're into that's why we watch these fights yes it went five rounds not a lot of action as it turned out you got two of the best technical strikers in the world and it, guess what it's really hard when you have two guys that are so equally matched nobody is going to give in or rush in or make a mistake because they're that good so unfortunately this is one of those fights where they're both so equally good that 
it results in a lot of lackluster action, not a lot of uh, big shots or knockdowns. There was that one knockdown in the fifth, which probably is what really won the fight for Till. Um, some people are saying it was a controversy. I don't. I don't think so. I think it was just kind of a, a tactician's fight. If you, if you are the kind of MMA fan that only really appreciates slobber knockers, barn burners, slugfest, then this probably wasn't the fight for you. But if you're the kind of MMA fan that can appreciate the intricacies of the stand-up game, the setups, the feints the traps, the attempted traps, the counters, the ability to stay disciplined, to not rush in and get countered because both these guys are fucking savages and they will put you out. That's what people fail to realize. This was not a joke of a fight. This thing was serious. Do I want to do I want to watch it again? Do I want to like wait for it to come on Fight Pass so I can rewatch the replay? Not really. I mean, I seen it. I, I saw what it was. There wasn't enough action for like replay viewability. I don't want to see it again. I seen it now, and there wasn't a lot of action. It was, um, I don't know if slow is the right term. I don't think slow is the right term. It wasn't it was slow, but it was just lacking of action because of the competition level. Um, so what happens now? Well, I'm Thompson will get another top five opponent more than likely. And uh, well, depending on what happens with RDA and Colby coming up here soon, uh, Till, Till could be potentially facing Woodley when he gets back full, fully from his shoulder surgery. Here's the thing, right? Woodley is not Wonderboy Thompson. <clears throat> At the heart of things, Woodley's a stout wrestler with a missile of a hand and super explosive. That doesn't mean that Till can't hold his own against Woodley. I think he, he definitely could. He could definitely hurt Woodley. We've seen, we've seen Woodley hurt in the past, but because the technical acumen of Till standing up, I kind of see a similar fight playing out between Till and Woodley as Wonderboy Wonder Boy and, and Woodley. I don't see those fights a lot different, to be honest with you. I think it's probably going to look very similar. I think Woodley probably gets his hand raised. But like I said before, Till's probably the future of this division. I think he's only 25. Sky's the limit for that kid. And I think, um, I think at some point in his UFC career, he will be... Uh, he will be a UFC champion. Whether it's in 170, I'm not sure. Apparently, there was some family issues, emergencies, that is why he couldn't cut enough weight. But he came in four and a half pounds heavy, um, which kind of segues to my next topic, which is which I talked about last week too, is this freaking weight cutting and people can't make weight. And what do we do? Um, so far, since January, I think the first card was January 14th, eight fighters or eight, eight fighters have missed weight. They were heavy. So far this year, fighters who came in overweight are seven and one. I think that speaks volumes. That does mean something. It has to mean something because if weight wasn't such a big deal, I don't think that these guys would just be winning. I think it is a big deal. How do you fix this problem? I don't know. I don't have a, a solution with the exception of having weight classes every 10 freaking pounds from flyweight all the way up to heavyweight so you go 25 35 45 55 65 75 85 95 205 
215, 225, and then everything above 225 is just heavyweight. And it'll be, it should go as high as 300 pounds, whatever. Shouldn't matter. But we need more weight classes because I think you have some guys who are a little small for 170, but are literally just too big. They're just too big for 155. And it gets to the point where it's diminishing returns on, on losing body weight. And uh, what are you doing to your kidneys? What are you doing to your body in the long term? You know, you look at guys like Roy Jones Jr., who uh, was in a, like he went up and down the weight a bunch. So much to the point to where it kind of ruined his body, kind of hurt his physique, kind of hurt him. He couldn't. Uh, it got to a point where he just couldn't cut the weight anymore. Couldn't get down to certain certain weights. And it, I think the physical detriments to, to severe weight cutting uh, is probably not worth it. Um, I know Kevin Lee had made a comment or a statement uh, about the need for 165. There are a lot of guys who fight at 155 who kill themselves to get down to that weight. Kill themselves. Uh, 165 would be a good weight. I like I like that whole 25, 35, 45, all the way up 10 pounds. I don't think that's excessive, um, but something needs to happen. Um, potentially a stiffer penalty. If you miss weight, hey man, Either you can't fight at all if you miss weight, doesn't matter if the other fighter wants to accept the fight, you just don't fight. Or you lose half your purse. Or maybe even more, you have to forfeit all your purse or something to where the point where the, the penalty is so severe for missing weight that you just won't miss weight. You will figure it out. Okay, uh, Michael Bisbing announces retirement. I don't think that came to a surprise to anybody, but I think Bisbing's one of the more underappreciated UFC fighters, UFC champions ever. Um, you know, Michael Bisbing been around forever. Um, and I don't know why I remember this specifically, but I remember because back in the day, I've been watching MMA long enough to where I actually used to buy the DVDs. Like, like I don't think anybody does that anymore, but I had a bunch of Pride DVDs, I had a bunch of UFC DVDs, but I can't remember which one it was. I wanna say it was Collision Course, but it was one of the first ones in uh, England that Michael Bisming was on. And you know, with DVDs, they did a bunch of the behind the scenes specials or whatever. And at this point, Michael was still fighting at 205 pounds. He looked more like a hooligan, you know what I mean? Instead of a hipster, like he went from, he went from hooligan, you know, British hooligan looking dude to like LA hipster throughout his career. But he was at 205 pounds, not very muscular, hairy chest dude. And I remember in the, in the special or the special editions or the, uh, wherever you want to call it on the DVD. Anyway, hey, Michael Bisbing had specifically stated that he had a cheeseburger before weigh-ins at 205 pounds. And at that, at that point he kind of was like, man, I should, I could probably make 185 pretty easy. And then he ends up uh, he ends up cut down to 185, become a 185 championship. I don't know why I remember that story, but I just remember it. Uh, it's just how long Michael Bisbing has been uh, in this game. So, cheers to him, and uh, I hope all the success in the future because I think uh, he's underappreciated. People should probably just shut the fuck up and enjoy what uh, what he provided for us over the years. All right. So then, other big news: Nick Diaz, domestic violence. Um, man, if this if this is accurate information, the reports that this this young girl, young lady, this woman, um, broken hip, lots of broken bones, bruises, blood, all that crap, sound pretty horrific. And you got to go like, well, what would what would motivate Nick to 
commit these atrocities if he did in fact do it. Um, there's also reports that he fought the police and stuff. That's not going to bode well for his case either. Uh, his agent or a friend or something had this big long post about how this lady's a lunatic and she's a psychopath and she's been stalking him and everyone's been warn warning him about her. He's been changing his number, all these things. But that's but nowhere in that thing did he say, "Oh, I didn't do it." So even if she's a stalker, even if she's um, harassing him and and causing issues in his personal life uh, i can't see at any point where this would be an acceptable um result at no time would it be okay to severely harm a uh, a woman who's harassing you not necessarily posing a physical threat but maybe posing just an annoyance um that can't be tolerated it's not acceptable so then you ask what would motivate him to do that and Ironically, the very first thing that popped into my head was an interview that he gave. I want to say it was Errol Hawani. This was at the Jake's, Jake's, Jake Shields uh, Mayhem Miller fight when they had that big brawl in the Strike Force cage. Anyway, so Nick is in the backstage having an interview with, I believe it's Ariel, and he sounded so punch drunk and incoherent. When he was talking about what had happened, what transpired, um, he was talking a little bit about the fight game. I think this guy has, has got serious head trauma, serious CTE, because just the way he communicated, this was probably like five or six years ago when this happened, maybe a little less. But back then, you could see the, the brain trauma on this guy from all his years of fighting already and how, how you know, he's, he's lauded and, and famed for his ability to take a shot but even if you are sturdy and can take a punch like no one else that doesn't mean that you are eliminating the damage to your brain so then you have to ask your question you ask yourself if he's got severe brain damage he, he chances are his inhibitions are lowered his ability to make good decisions use his common sense that's going to be a hindrance that doesn't excuse putting your hands on a female that certainly does not I don't care under any circumstance however it could be a leading explanation as to why in his in his thought process that that would be a good idea at the time we don't know all the details I'm sure it's going to be plastered everywhere once the actual information is there about what happened what transpired it's gonna be everywhere because they love to smear MMA, especially fighters. They'll put posts about discreet MMA fighters who fought in regional promotions about how, oh, another MMA fighter commits this crime or commits that. I mean, they love smearing MMA fighters in the, in the major media. So I'm sure once all the details are released or <clears throat> police reports are released, it's gonna be a shitstorm of negative press for MMA. Um, Hopefully they figure it out soon and he gets out of jail or, hey man, maybe he serves his time and uh, pays for his the consequence of his actions. Uh, if he did do in fact, then he, he absolutely should. Okay, so upcoming is, well, I guess Fight Night Utica's up first. Um, I would say that Jimmy Rivera versus Morais is a very good car, a very good fight. Um, what else is on that card? So Jimmy Rivera, super underrated talent, super stud, 
super duper stud fighter, I'd imagine. Um, and, and Marlon Moraes, same thing. That's gonna be a really good fight, probably fight of the night if I was a betting man. Uh, other things on the card, uh, John Vellante versus Alvi, that's kind of interesting. Ellenberger's fighting uh, Ben Saunders, that's an interesting fight. They're both coming off losses. That's a little bit interesting. <sighs> Lentz is uh, fighting David Timor. Timor, I think it's Timor. Um, well, there's two Tamers. Julio Arce is fighting Daniel Tamor, and then David Tamor. Okay, so we have two Tamors. I might, I might be getting them confused. Um, Nick Lentz, I like him. Uh, just in general, uh, Mohammed Balil Mohammed is, is fighting. I like him. I don't know anything about uh, his his dancing partner here, Chance Rin Country Contrer. I'm not sure. Uh, Gleason Tebow is fighting. He's been fighting fucking forever. He's fighting De fighting Desmond Green. That uh, should be an interesting fight. Uh, I mean, not a not a blockbuster card by any means. I think you know Rivera Morai is probably the best fight in the card. As it is the headliner, so it probably should be. Um, so we'll see how things crack down there. Um, but the big fight that everyone's waiting for is UFC 225. This is for a middleweight strap. between Whitaker and Romero. This card is stacked with a bunch of great fights. This is the real the real winner. And this is coming up uh, next weekend. So weekend after this one on June 9th. Whitaker, Romero, Whitaker, Whitaker already beat Romero uh, once. Um, there's no reason to believe that he's not gonna do it again. I love Whitaker. Uh, I love that he's an undersized 185 coming from 70. I like that. I like that he's kind of proven the point that, you know, weight classes aren't as important as people may think. Now, obviously, if you have a super skilled 200 pound fighter, he probably shouldn't be fighting a 150 pound guy. That's not what I'm saying. But but between 170 and 185, hey man, a really skilled 170 can easily be a champion at 185 or vice versa. I like I like Whitaker, although Romero, who knows, he might do nothing for two or two rounds, three rounds, and then get some crazy flying knee knockout toward the later rounds. Uh, obviously, RDA is fighting Colby Covington, both really good fighters. Um, I hope RDA smashes Covington. I'm not a big fan of that guy. Um, I'm, I'm all for you know building press and building rivalry rivalries and using your mouth, but I think. He's not clever enough to talk trash smoothly. He just hurls unnecessary insults to get a rise out of media and MMA fighters and particularly Brazilians. He's not, he's strumming up PR in it with negative, poorly contrived trash talk. He's not smooth, he's not clever, he's not funny. Chell's funny, Connor's funny. Connor's, you know, whereas trash talk's pretty good, but it's, it's not like, it's not mean-spirited. Kobe's mean-spirited and, and trying to uh, stir the pot. And for me, um, I don't think there's a place in that for MMA. I just don't. Uh, Holly Holm is facing Megan Anderson. Uh, Megan Anderson got the ship you'd have her by Cyborg. I imagine Holly beats her too. Uh, Arlossi's fighting Tai Tuivasa. Um, he's out of Australia. Looks like a big Simone kid. Don't know much about him. 
but uh, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be an interesting fight. And then and then Ed, the big controversy everyone hates CM Punk versus Mike Jackson. They're both like zero and one, similarly skilled fighters in terms of record and whatnot. And um, everyone's pissed off because they don't think CM Punk should be on the main card. Which, okay. I mean, I get it. I get it from a fighter's perspective. If I was a fighter, it'd be annoying because he's taking potentially money out of my pocket because I'm low on the card, whatever. The deal is, though, is that the UFC is a business, and especially when WM- WMG bought them for $4.5 billion, they got to make that money back somehow. And whether you like it or not, CM Punk will get people to buy the pay-per-view. Maybe not as many as that first fight because that was his first one from the WWE but he's gonna put butts in the seat. People love this guy. If you don't follow wrestling, and I don't, not not very closely, but I know enough to know that at one point this guy was an, a, a super star, John Cena, the Rock level star, the WWE, which means that he has millions of followers, millions of fans, millions of people that care about what he's doing in his life, which is why he's on the main card. Not to mention when he organized a contract with the UFC, I'm for sure that he gets pay-per-view points because he's putting butts in those seats and he's putting buys in the pay-per-view realm. He's getting money, for, he's making money for the company. It doesn't matter where his skills at. Don't forget, this is a business. They have to make money. It doesn't matter whether I agree with it or not because at certain levels, I think, hey man, you need to earn your keep. You need to be on the fight pass prelims. But I also understand you got to make money, and this guy is going to make. He's going to make way more money for the company than somebody like anybody. Guida, Be- well, Benavides Pettis. That's an interesting. We'll talk about that in a second. Overeem, Blades. These guys aren't aren't going to strum up the kind of money that he is. And as a business, you have to make that call. You just have to. So you can get your panties in a twist about it if you want, but. Um, I just don't. I just don't see. I, I. I can. I can see both sides of it, but I kind of. I kind of have to agree with the UFC side on this for some reason. It just makes more sense to me. You're gonna make more money. You're gonna get more buys that way. If you put CM Punk on free TV, less people are gonna buy the. Less people are gonna buy the the pay per view. Uh, so the FS1 prelims, obviously, that's gonna be Overeem Blades. That should be a good fight. Um. Gedalia Esparza, that's a good fight. I love Claudia Gedalia. I'm secretly. Man, I, I like to watch her fight. I like her as a person. I like everything about her. I think she smashes Esparza. Um, probably TKOs her, I think. Lamas Bektik, should be a good fight. I think Lamas got that one. Uh, Coulter De La Rocha. Coulter's got this one, probably. Eh, sure, this is interesting. It's the fight press. Evans versus Smith. Smith probably wins, I, unfortunately. And I love Rashad Evans, but he's... I don't think he's got much more to offer this sport or the fighting world, unfortunately. Benavidez and Pettis. This this fight should really be on the FS1 prelims. I'd put them in front of Coulter and De La Rocha. I'm not really sure why uh, they're on the prelims. Benavidez was complaining about it's because it's the 115 or the 125 class and they don't get any respect. Which must be true, right? Well, it, it seems like it is, but we all know that the lightweight classes, for whatever reason, don't strum up a lot of interest in MMA fans, at least, at least the casual audience, which is the majority of the audience. Um, I would have liked to seen this on the FS1 prelims, even the main card. I really like these two guys. Uh, I like Benavidez big in this one. I still think he gets it done. Um, I think he's probably the best flyweight not named Demetrius Johnson. Uh, Clay Guida's fighting uh, Oliveira. Uh, 
couple couple guys been around a long time. I didn't even know Clay was still fighting. Um, so I don't. That's a pick 'em fight in, in my mind. So big fight coming up next Saturday, um, with interesting circumstances. So let's go to the next topic, uh, and this will be the last thing I cover. Bellator, Musasi beat um, Calvalo, Carvalho. Caravallo, I think it is. Caravallo. And then immediately got called out by Roy McDonald, who's the 170-pound champ. That is an amazing fight if they can make it happen, which it sounds like they probably will. They'll probably build it up a little bit for a while. Um, but Musasi says he wants to fight. Rory says he wants to fight. In my heart of hearts, I still kind of favor Musasi just because of the size. Now, Rory is a big 170, right? He cuts a lot of weight. He could, he could probably, he probably walks... 200, 205 pounds. I think he said that one time. So he got a lot of weight to be able to 170. But don't, let's not forget, Musashi fought at 205 comfortably. I mean, he has no issue making 185, but he fought at 205 comfortably. So I think the size weight might really be a factor for Rory McDonald. Maybe not. Now, Rory, Rory could definitely win, but I favor Musashi. I think it's a fight that Bellator needs. Bellator needs that notoriety. They need that big money ticket fight because that's a real fight with real circumstance, with real consequences, with, with, with a real relevance to the current MMA world. Now, we all love watching Big Country fight and Mitrion fight and jackson fight rampage jackson fight we all we love this the sentimental side of mma fighting and most of these fighters who are no longer than ufc they got name value they go over to bellator and they fight and we like it because it's nostalgic for us we, we enjoy, we've enjoyed them for their whole careers but this fight between musasi and Roy mcdonald is relevant to current mma and i think they have to make this fight it'd be a in my opinion a very smart business move now whether they do it with titles on the line or, or what weight class it's going to be at, maybe they do a catch weight, I don't really know. And that's not been figured out, obviously, or determined, but they got to make that fight. I think that will be the, um, I think that'll really be the smoking gun for Bellator to enter into a real competitive scene with the UFC because I think other fighters are going to see that. They're going to see the different kind of treatment that Bellator gives their fighters. I, I'm, that's not, I'm not saying it's better or worse, but it's different. And I think you're going to see maybe some of the more top-level talent slide on over to Bellator, which is only going to make competition better between the two organizations, which is only going to make MMA better because competition strums up better results and more, more competition you achieve things quicker and uh, things progress faster. So at the end of the day, I definitely want to see that fight. I think they should make it happen. And I, I'll look really forward to uh, seeing what happens with that. That is all the things that I am reacting to today. If you sat and listened to this, I appreciate it, man. I'll check you on the next one.